Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. We're your hosts, Sammy and Danny. And today we have a guest on the podcast in the form of Andy, who is known as Arc Nutrition on Instagram. He is a coach himself and he's got quite a lot of experience in working with the psychological side of changing your physique and competing. Andy, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, I originally started in the industry back in, I believe it was the very end of 2004. Um, and I was working actively as a PT right from the start of 2005. So that's the length of time that I've been coaching for. Um, and I would say probably the past two years, I've taken more of a shift down the, psych- the psychology side of things because I found that ensuring that someone's psychology, the psyche was right, just caused the, the, the progress that they could make in a short space of time, just leapfrog. There would yeah. be something that people would be held back from, and it was all down to that. So that's why my focus has shifted so much to that from just the, the diet and the training side of things. Yeah, and I agree it plays such a huge role. in. Yeah, that's why you have that saying, healthy mind, healthy body. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One thing that I think people get wrong a lot in the industry is they put the physique first, the fitness second, and the health last. And you flip it on its head, so you put your health first, so mental health and physical health, and then your physical fitness. If you've got all three of those things where they need to be, you can't have that and have a shit physique. Your physique is going to be phenomenal if you're mentally healthy, physically healthy, and physically fit. But too many people put physique first and ruin the health, both mentally and physically, in the pursuit of it. And it's just, it needs to change. Yeah, exactly. Right, so to kick it off, we're going to start with our first question which is when working towards changing our physiques, some people struggle to feel themselves once they have experienced a drastic change in their body composition, even if it's for the better. How do you think people could tackle this and why does this occur in some cases? That is something that I've experienced with clients over the years a lot more when they've started as either very overweight or obese. And if they've been like that for an extended period of time, because after a while you you absorb that as your identity. Like you, I'm sure you two have spoken to people, clients, and yeah. people in general that will have said to you, "I've always been big." Yeah, I was big as a child. You know, I've always been, and they may they may have a nickname that links them to the body that they've got. And although they feel uncomfortable with the way that they look, they're not confident with the body, you know, they don't like to be naked and especially not in front of someone. And that's why they want to change. Once they have and they've got this new physique, they've lost all the weight, they no longer identify with the person that they see in the mirror. In their mind, they are still fat Sharon. It's like bo- uh, body dysmorphia, basically. I would say it's more its more of an identity issue. It's not so much body dysmorphia. It's more they no longer look like who they identify as. Yeah. In their mind, they are, still, they are still big. That is their comfort zone. Although they are yeah. uncomfortable in it, to them that is more comfortable because they are, that's who they identify as than being a size 10. That's why you get a lot of people that will lose weight, they'll do it successfully, and then they will just gravitate back and then they'll lose weight mm-hmm. again and 
gravitate back. And that's because the habits that you need to form to lose the weight are so far removed from the habits that you have when you are overweight that everything about the life is different. The way they look is different. The habits day-to-day are different. Their activities are different. Maybe the people that they speak to and the way that they associate with people has changed. The foods that they eat have changed. What they drink has changed. Restaurants they go to might change. So their entire life feels different, but they've not tackled the mental aspect of accepting a new identity. Yeah. They will, they will remain uncomfortable in the new body for as long as they can, but then they will gradually start to go back to their old habits. They will start to go to the gym less. They will start to be less active. They will start to snack more. And gradually they fall back into the old patterns and then they gain the weight back. And I actually had someone ask me this question. They said that they'd just lost quite a lot of weight and they were struggling to they were struggling to like feel themselves in their new physique after they'd lost all that weight. And is there anything like is there anything you could say people could implement to try and um accept that new physique and become comfortable in that new body? Yeah, a lot of it comes down to the reason for the pursuit. If, they, if they're doing it purely for themselves, people tend to have a much much easier time accepting who they're becoming whilst they're on the journey. Because you'll get some people that will do it, they might lose £100 or more, and they achieve the goal, and they never deviate from it. And it's normally because they've got either a very strong moral or an emotional motivation behind it that isn't linked to outside influence. You know, it may be that they've got, they've become ill through being big and they've got children. And if a doctor says to them, don't lose the weight, you're not going to watch your children grow up. That is a huge emotional trigger. So they're then doing it for the children. That want to be there for the kids is never going to go away. So they accept the new identity, the change. Like who I am now is killing me. I need to be somebody else and they will change. But if someone's doing it purely because they want to attract a partner or if they've got a very short-term goal, like a holiday or something, they're doing it because they don't want to feel uncomfortable in front of people on holiday in a bikini or in the shorts or whatever the situation is. Once they've reached that target that was the reason why they were doing it, it's come to an end and then it can go back. That's why I don't like, when I work with people, I don't like stating things as a diet because a diet has a termination date. Somebody will think, I need to do this for 16 weeks, I need to do it for 20 weeks or however long. But when it comes to the end, they feel that that's the end of all of the habits that they've just been forming. They only need to hold those habits for a certain amount of time instead of thinking, this is just who I am now. So if they're approaching weight loss as a diet, and they've got a weight goal, once they reach it, they cut it off. Whereas if you just think, I don't want to live like this anymore, and they're doing it purely because they just want to be healthier, they want to be physically fitter, they want to feel more comfortable in the cell. That doesn't have shelf life, that doesn't have an end date, that is just a continuation. And the mentality is completely different. Yeah, and I think having a strong reason why is so important, and it ties into one of the other questions we were going to talk about as well. So we're going to discuss what would you say kind of the problems are 
that are associated with having our body composition and in a competitor's case, like our stage lean physique as our entire identity and how can we prevent that from happening? Because you'll often see bikini competitors and as soon as they lose that stage lean physique, they they feel so lost post-show. They don't know what to do and they don't know where to go and they don't feel themselves anymore because they're not stage lean. Um, how can they like prevent their stage lean body composition from becoming their identity? One of the biggest problems that I found with competitors is focusing on the opposite. So when you've got somebody that's in their off season and they can eat what they want and they have more body fat, they focus on being lean and they don't like the body that they've got. They don't want the extra body fat. They want to be lean again. And some of them even want to diet. And then as soon as they start dieting, they focus on all the foods that they can't have now. And they want to be able to eat the way that they did during their off-season. They want to be able to go out for meals. They want to be able to socialize and interact with people and be more comfortable. They don't want to have to do all the extra cardio. And I think that, that lays a really awful foundation for the way that people react. Because if you spend your off-season focusing on wanting to be lean, and then when you are really lean, you go back into an off-season, you focus on wanting to stay really lean, you're going against what you need. It's more a case of accepting what you're doing at the time and just making that your focus because going into an off-season from a contest prep isn't just about gaining new muscle and about getting stronger. It's about getting healthy again because as much as the industry is moving more towards health during prep, the way that we prep still isn't healthy. Still extreme. We can't get to the kind of condition that we need for the stage, especially bodybuilders. We can't get to stage condition and be healthy when we get there. It just, it just doesn't happen. But the focus should be in your off-season, I now need to get as healthy as possible whilst growing. And the way to do that is to do it slowly. As far as people that assume the identity of being lean, that isn't just about competing. Most people that have that, it's, it's an issue that's a little bit deeper. It's not something that has a specific answer that could say, oh, they need to not do this. Because it could be, it could be something from the childhood, it could be influenced from family, it could be influenced from friends, the people that they're around, the partner. It's quite a multi-faceted situation, that, because that yeah. is the psychology of the way that they work in general, how they feel about themselves and holding their physique. is finding that their self-worth being wrapped up in the way that they look. Basically. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of leads us on to the question of what are the biggest problems with seeking validation and acceptance from others? And how would you suggest someone tries to detach themselves from that? And do you think social media plays a part in this? Yeah, I think it does because it puts people in a position where they've got access to more outside influence, yeah. more eyes on them and more attention. Um, and I guess comparing themselves to what they see as well. Yeah, yeah. Because again, and you get a lot of, a lot of people on social media will see what somebody posts. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we all know people that will, when they are lean, will 
take lots and lots and lots and lots of pictures and they will post them throughout the year. And to a lot of people, it gives the perception that they are lean all year. And they're not. That's why when you see somebody in social media all the time and then you end up meeting in person, it can be a bit of a... You don't want that on social media. <laughs> yeah. I think that's something that we've, we've all come across that at one time or another. But the problem with seeking external validation is it's not going to last. It can, it can be taken away. You know, it's, again, if, you, if you're seeking external validation, acceptance from other people, you are going to set a guideline in your mind of what you think you need to do how you need to act, habits you need to have in order to be accepted by those people. But those goalposts, they can shift. And as somebody else's focus in their life changes, what they want to be exposed to can change as well. So if you've got a specific person or a small group of people that you want to like you, and right now say they're in the process of competing, so they're dieting, they're getting lean, and they're all in that same mindset, if you conduct yourself to to appeal to them, if you do what they're doing now, it it will work to an extent. But it's because you know people like people that are like them. But then when their focus changes, everything that you've been doing for the past couple of months that has gained you the extra attention, the the interactions with them, when their focus changes away from what you're now doing you then need to change again and you can't settle you know you need to, people need to be individual not for other people because external validation it's not going to last it can always change it can always be taken away the people that you want the attention from can then focus on other people people end up feeling lost because of it and that's why people struggle so much especially in this industry because they don't know what their identity is because they're trying to tag it to one thing. Nobody's identity is one thing. It's layer upon layer upon layer. And people yeah. lose sight of everything else that makes them them and just focus solely on that one thing. So if that one thing that they're focusing on then changes, they feel unstable again. Yeah, and that comes back to having a strong reason why as well and um, doing things for yourself as opposed to pleasing others, especially on social media when really like someone, just because someone's liking your photo or a particular photo is getting a lot of attention, it doesn't actually mean that they're, you're even that liked really. It's just a, it's a very, I don't know how to describe it, it's just, it's quite false in some ways. Um, but I think people also need to remember that on social media, you choose what you see and you choose who you follow. So if there's, if you're feeling negative as a result of seeing certain posts or seeing someone in particular on Instagram, then you can follow them and you create your own environment on there. Um, and people forget that I think sometimes because they get so caught up on social media and trying to please other people on there, comparing themselves to others and they lose, they forget that they control that environment just like their environment in real life. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason why people won't just unfollow someone that has become a negative influence in their life is because they're worried about that person not liking them. Yeah. And it's somebody would somebody will allow a negative influence to remain in their life for a prolonged period of time 
based on what that person might think of them for doing what's best for them. And that that is so prevalent at the moment with social media. Yeah. It's mad. Um what would you say obviously as a competitor as we discussed earlier, our mental and psychological health is so important for our success. Um, and it is very common for competitors to, su- to suffer with mental health issues. Would you say that there's any kind of like obvious signs to look out for as a competitor or a coach that your mental health might not be in a stable place to start a contest yet and there might be things you need to address beforehand? When someone's in prep, it becomes even easier to see. And it's to see the disparity between the way that they act one day to another. You know, you get people that are very up and down. And if your mental health is somewhat stable, your actions and your patterns day to day will follow suit. But if you've got an internal struggle going on, that's when you get people where, you know, they're really happy and they're loving the loving prep, the loving the process, the loving everything about it. And then it can be the end of that same day. They're on the verge of quitting. They want to leave the industry. They don't want anything to do with it anymore. They hate this, that, and the other. And there's, there's lots of different things. But the problem is that you've got people now that will copy the actions and the habits of people that they follow, that they like, because they want to be seen to be like them. So you've got people that are almost instilling issues within themselves just because they want to be seen to be like that person that they follow. And that person that they follow, although they may be well-known in the industry, they may be doing well, they are not well. And realistically, the best thing that they could do would be to take a step back because you end up perpetuating your, your thoughts, your feelings, your patterns onto the people that follow you. Because it's yeah. like with me, with my content, I suppose this links with the previous question as well. I don't worry about people liking my content. And I know that there's quite a bit that I'm going to put on that some people will look at and think, oh, fuck you. Because it might hit them where it hurts. But that's part of why I do it. Because the people that respond to my style of coaching, to my approach, it has a huge impact on them. And it can very positively impact the way that they change. I'm not trying to be liked by everybody. And you see some coaches, one post will be very frank, you know, they'll be very blunt, they'll be very honest. But then the next one, it's all airy fairy, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, stroke people's faces with feathers and make sure everybody feels good. And then the next one is a different angle again, and it's very scientific and then the next one's super basics. It's like stick to the basics to still work, which is the way that I work. But they want to be liked by every possible group of people. So they try to adopt every style of coaching. And it, it doesn't work because it makes it, it makes you look like you don't know who you are as a coach. Not and it's like, it's like that everyone kind of latches on to something new. Yeah. In the industry. And I think that relates back to what you were saying about people hopping between different approaches and stuff because people like, they like something new. Yeah. Another thing that people latch onto, and again, it's in the pursuit of 
people liking them and, and wanting to speak to them. People will latch on to anything. And it's like food. Everybody likes food. But people will, will title themselves as a foodie and like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. You'll see people go nuts over them. And it's a science. Peanut Butter Cup. They're nice. Yeah, but it's still just a peanut butter cup. But they will post that they've bought some and they'll tag people in the industry that they know also like them to be kind of like the Reese's Peanut Butter crew. I don't, you know, people yeah. do donuts or pizza and they'll, they'll tag each other in it. And so, and it's, again, it's that, that desperate need to belong. Yeah. Because people seem to have forgotten how to just be themselves and be happy being themselves. Yeah. And if you are yourself as well, that's what's ironic about it. Like if you are yourself and you're true to your own values, you'll attract other people who align with your values and people who are actually supposed to be in your life as opposed to people who might not be there for the right reasons or, you know, just creating a community on things which you don't actually align with. Yeah. And that's it. That, that word that you just use, uh, values, that is the most important thing. Because it's like when it comes to relationships, a relationship will work when both partners share the same values, you know, across the board of what they what they deem is correct as far as loyalty, love, friendship, family, political stance, all sorts. You know, if your values don't match, there's going to be that much conflict that it won't work. And you, you, people get that internally because they will have... Everybody has their internal values, what they know they hold as important. And if they start to act in a way that is away from their internal values because they want to be liked by people, that's when they get that, that serious struggle that they, they don't know who they are anymore. And it's, it's surprising how many people actually message me directly and say, what do I do with, you know, if they've got time off, if they've got time to themselves or anything, and they don't know what to do with the time almost like they're scared of being alone with their own thoughts. Yeah. And when people, after people spend a prolonged period of time, like in prep, for example, um, afterwards they struggle to make that shift into off season. So do you think there's, there are any specific methods you could implement post show to help ensure that you maintain good mental health? Because I know personally, I really suffered like with the post show blues. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's because you failed to make that transition. Like you still are trying to maintain that physique whilst going into off season. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, part of that, the post show blues comes from the fact of how, I mean, even if you win, it's almost very anticlimactic. Because if your prep's been 20 weeks, 24 weeks, you know, you spent the better part of half of the year getting ready for this day. And then, I mean, it, it's even more so for girls in the industry than it is for the lads. I mean, you know, we've got our tan and our trunks, and that's it. With the girls, you've got your hair, your makeup, you get amazing bikinis made, you've got your pose. I mean, we pose, but with girls, again, it's on another level. You know, the, the effort that you go to. So there's, a, there's an enormous amount of effort that goes into your shoulder. And then the day arrives, and it's over in the blink of an eye. Even when you stay present in the day and you enjoy it and you interact with people, the day is done so quickly. And then you wake up the day after and it's just like tumbleweed rolling through your living room because you're just like, 
what do I do now? Because <laughs> you don't have to get up for cardio anymore. You've not got this set structure. Your meal plan's changed. And that is that is the biggest issue. People go from this set structure every day. You know what you're eating, how much you're going to be eating, what time. You, you know what time you need to train. You structure everything around the show and around the training that you need to do for it. And then when all the shows are done, and you go back into your off-season, there's none of that. You don't have to eat at a certain time anymore. You don't have to get up and do cardio anymore. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z. All of the habits that you've just formed and solidified over the past 20 or so weeks have now been stripped away. And the best thing that people can do to try and prevent the head falling off for sure is to reverse that process. And it's not just the simple case of reverse dieting. You've got to reverse the habits as well. You've got to reverse the structure. Because you see people, they hoard food during a prep. You know, people end up with a draw and it is full to the fucking brim. And there's way more food in it than they're ever going to need. And the shops aren't going to stop selling it. But it can be from two weeks in. The mindset has already started to focus on the post-show binge that they're going to have. And that sets them up to be even worse post-show. You know, have your treats, you know, have a post-show meal, have a couple of treats and things that you've missed. But keep it in check. Keep it to either the night of the show or maybe the day after. But then after that, you if you want to be healthy and you want to maintain your condition and you want to grow effectively and healthily and you want to, you want to look after both your mental and your physical health, you have to finish your prep have a day off and then get back to that kind of structure and then slowly reverse it in the same way because prep doesn't go like that you come down gradually all the time then we hit the show and then people just go like that you need to come out of it the same way that you went into it if you don't yeah. there's very few people that can just go completely the opposite direction straight away and be okay after it I think that comes back to again focusing on like what you've got available to you and making the most of the process you're in the middle of at that moment in time so like through prep the problem is that people kind of count down the weeks until they're able to eat food again as opposed to focusing on the process and enjoying the process they'll be like oh my god 10 weeks until I can eat whatever I want again I've got the ability to eat as opposed to oh, I've got 10 weeks left of prep, like, let's enjoy it. I'm getting leaner. I'm going to present the best version of myself on stage. They need to try and stay in the moment and focus on what they've got available to them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's that thing when they go in prep, they then focus on everything that they don't have right now. And it, and it becomes this huge issue. It's like when people get in touch with me, if somebody comes to me and they want to prep and they ask me the question, how often do I get cheat meals? it's highly likely that I won't work with them. Yeah. And I've refused to work with people because of that reason. And they're just like, oh, just because I've asked when I get cheat meals, it's like, yeah, because if that's your focus, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Your focus has got to be progressing every day. You know, what can I do today that is going to make me better tomorrow? And keep that mindset all the time, all the way through prep, instead of, how long is it until I can eat shit? Yeah. Because it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense. 
Yeah. And I think when post-show, when people do feel really lost, a good thing to do, and I'm sure you'll agree, is like focus, set some new goals, like focus on your values at that moment in time and, you know, what's changed, you're not dieting anymore, what can you appreciate and focus on like the positive, again, the positives of where you're currently at, but um, set yourself some new goals as opposed to like focusing on your stage lean physique and the fact that you've not got a show looming anymore. Yeah, because it's like when people cheat on prep. And this isn't just prep, this is just dieting in general, whether it's a general population or not. The way that you, the language you use has a huge influence over the way that you feel and the way that you will approach things. So when you start a diet, there are then foods that you will avoid. And somebody would say, I can't eat that right now. And I say to people, never speak like that. Never say that there's ever anything, any food that you can't eat because you can eat anything you want at any time. It's just that right now you don't eat that. Because can't is a restriction and don't is a choice. But although it's a tiny, tiny change in the word, it completely changes the way that people feel about it. Because it's like, it's, you know, it's that childish side of us. You know, it's the emotional part of our brain. If you say you can't do that, there's always that part of you that goes, I want to. Yeah. They immediately want to. Yeah. You know, Amelia Thompson, she actually posted something the other day that when she told her clients that they can eat what they want, they actually ate less than yeah. if they're told, like, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if I've ever got a client that's struggling to stick to the calories. I just increase the calorie. Yeah. And it, most people would be like, oh, but you know, like, don't do that, just increase the cardio so that, you know, that they can eat more but burn it. It's like, no, because if someone's struggling to stick to 1,700 calories and, you know, every day they're having that little bit and they're having 2,000 calories or 2,100 calories, if I put them up to 2,000 calories, in their mind they're thinking, that's too much. I don't need 2,000 calories. And gradually, it's, I say gradually, within a week, normally, they are closer to where they were supposed to be aiming for. And it's purely because the mindset's changed. When they were overeating, they knew they were overeating. And then as soon as you put that as the fence post, they then go, they choose to not eat that much. It's a much, it's a much healthier mindset. But as far as anybody that's struggling or sure, just in general, with cheating with your diet or anything like that, everybody should follow me. She puts out some content in our industry when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, and it just goes to show how much of a big role our psychological and mental health plays on our progress with our body composition goals. Like, such a big role. Yeah. And I think that's another reason that coaches need to pay attention to the individual's behaviour as well as just giving out like, this is your food, this is your training, get on with it. They need to pay attention to their client's behaviour and what's going on and coach them as opposed to just giving out like set routine and structure. Yeah, and I think one of the worst things that a coach can ever say to someone is just suck it up. Yeah. This is crap, just suck it up. It's just like... Well, yeah, it is prep, and prep is hard, but you don't need to make it harder than it has to be. Yeah. I have some clients that respond phenomenally well. Having a, a, even during prep, I've done this. 
and they'll have a the plan that's 80-20. So I will structure 80% of their calories. So it's it's set out. And then 20% of their daily intake is unassigned. And it's for them to choose what they have. So if they want to, you know, say if that 20% is 200 calories and they want to have 200 calories of peanut butter, they can't. If they want to have ice cream, they can. If you want to have cake, they can. And within the first two or three days, they might do. But then they very quickly stop that when they realise how much hungry they are because they've chosen those calorically dense foods. They then start to make better choices and they might use 100 calories of it to put a bit of sauce on a couple of meals just to liven up those meals. And it can make the world a difference because they're then not restricted. They've got a choice with what they can add to the food. Yeah. I agree with that, and I think it can make the biggest, the, the world of a difference when someone doesn't actually feel restricted and they're made to make their own adult decisions and choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with when it comes to prep, there's a lot of people that are heading into a prep that have no business doing so. And it's not only from a perspective of the relationship with food is bad, and that's why they shouldn't do it. Because I have had some people come to me to do a prep thinking that having that set structure will help them overcome their eating disorder that they've got or their disordered eating. And that's never going to work. No. But it isn't only people like that. It's other people that, again, coming back to identity, don't really know who they are. They don't know how to who to associate themselves with and as come into the industry because it's popular so they want to compete because then they can absorb the identity of a bikini girl or a bodybuilder etc but they're not doing it because they love the sport they're not doing it because that's their passion they're doing it to try and belong and they can't mentally handle what they have to go through and i think for people like that it often masks a lot of other issues they've got going on because they're so hyper focused on the prep they like forget about everything else and then once the prep's over it that all hits them like a ton of bricks because it's just got worse and they've not addressed those issues and that's a massive problem which people have I think yeah and if that is the case that then exacerbates the eating disorder that they've been trying to cover up because a lot of the time that may be part of their coping mechanism stresses that they've got in their life and then because they've spent the better part of four or five months neglecting all of those issues when they come back and the problems are worse and that stress hits them again, it just, it gets entirely even harder. And that can even lead to people then entering another prep because they think, oh, I was fine in prep um, and now all this has hit me, so what I need to do is go into another prep, which is like the worst thing that they can do mm-hmm. as well. And it, it, again, it's the loss of attention as well because when you're prepping, I mean, you know, we've all experienced it, when you prep and getting closer and you post the videos or you post a couple of pictures as you get leaner and leaner and it gets closer and the hype builds the amount of comments that you get increases the like increases the amount of people that reply to stories increases etc and it feeds the it feeds the ego yeah people are getting that chemical hit of dopamine every time somebody's posting a comment or if someone in the industry that they really look up to follows them they just see the screenshot and they put it on the story because they're you know they're buzzed because of it. But then when you stop, that stops. 
because there's nothing to update people with. You know, there's no more process, there's no more countdown. And that hype dies down and then the attention slows down, the likes slows down, the amount of comments, the amount of people messaging you, asking how prep's going. And a lot of people chase that as well. And again, but that's that external validation. Andy, are you prepping yourself this year? Yes. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be prepping myself and um, Josh McHale is going to be my trusted eyes to help guide me. Sounds good. I've, I've spoke to a couple of people that have said, like, oh, what are you doing? I said, yeah, I'm prepping myself and Josh is going to be my eyes. Like, are you not doing the same show? Like, yeah, same show and same path. Why are you using him then, thinking that Josh is going to, you know, do an Arnold and give me bad advices? <laughs> yeah. Is, I, I trust Josh implicitly, and I know that he wouldn't do that. That's the thing. You guys are true friends, which, again, comes back to, you know, you've got the same values. You actually care about each other. There's yeah. nothing fake there. So, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, because we me and Josh were discussing this very thing when we were training with each other last week. We were training legs together, and he said, well, you're going to be mine as well. That if I have a wobble or anything, I'll I'll be the person that you know maybe helps keep his head level. But yeah, it's it's just that's not something that I worry about. But as far as as far as prep, I'm I'm definitely going to prep myself. Yeah, I think another important thing to mention actually is also that if someone just wants to change their physique and get a bit leaner and feel more comfortable, then prep is probably not the way to go about that. Like competing isn't just something you do because you want to get a bit leaner. And you want to feel better about yourself. Yeah, and and again, I think that's it. You know, people people thinking that prep is the way forward and stuff like that, and it's not. It's if you're doing it because you want to belong and you want to be liked or accepted, or you want to be part of something. There's there's more work to be done personally on on your own personal development because doing a prep and trying to enter the fitness industry as a competitor won't give you the stability that they're looking for and there's nothing wrong with changing your physique but not competing like I know people with amazing physiques that don't compete because they just know it's not for them and that's yeah. fine it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you're less than anybody else just because you doesn't don't compete um so I just think it's important to remember that and not get into it too lightly sort of thing and I constantly yeah. hear people with good physiques have people telling them oh you should compete you should do this because you have such a good physique and like that's not right yeah. and I was saying to Danny earlier that unfortunately you see a lot of girls these days they start going to the gym because of what they see on social media and they think that they need to to compete like sorry they need to go to the gym to compete they don't just go to the gym for themselves and to get healthier yeah yeah because yeah, that's the thing it is it's it's like you mentioned earlier Danny, it's you know it's the why it's why you do what you do because yeah. it's like for me I've competed since 2005 and back then the industry was nothing like it is now I mean, social media didn't exist it makes me sound like a dinosaur that but social media just it didn't exist so there was no there was no influence it was just you went to the gym you dieted hard you trained hard you didn't post pictures and you didn't have people you know to say that you were looking good other than the the bodybuilders in the gym and you did your show and then you cracked on. And it's it's definitely social media that's changed the way that people react to the show. 
Yeah. And I think it's really popularized categories like bikini as well, because obviously you don't need quite as much muscle for bikini. So you don't have to spend as many years building your physique before you compete in bikini. And when people look at the physiques on the pictures, they think, oh, I could do that. So then they get into it without thinking about it, sort of thing. That that's that's one thing. I mean, of all of the classes, bikini is maybe the easiest category to be part of, due to the fact that you don't need as much muscle and you don't need to be completely shredded. But the level of dedication that you need to put into what you do is the same, and the amount of time that it takes to get to that champion physique that people see on Instagram. It's still a lot longer than people think. Because I have some people come to me and say, I want to compete in September. And if I don't think that they would be ready in time to present a physique that could win, I won't do it. It's like if somebody comes to me and says, I'm just doing it for the experience. I won't take them on. Because if you're just doing it for the experience, what experience are you doing it for? If you're not going to win. Because... Just most people fear being judged. They don't like being compared to other people. That is all bodybuilding is. Yeah. That, is that is literally all it is. It is you standing on stage with other people that have also got really good physiques and being told that you are either good enough or you are not. Yeah. Not everybody can handle that. And if somebody comes to me with the, I'm doing it for the experience... I can't take them on because I just think if, if your mindset isn't that you're going to do everything that you can every day to be the best and try to win, what are you doing it for? Yeah. That is one question I always ask. Why do you want to compete? And if they haven't got an answer that has got enough conviction behind it, I won't take them on. I, I could coach a lot more people than I do. Yeah. But I don't because I've got, again, my values what I deem is right to coach people. Somebody comes to me and they exhibit symptoms of an eating disorder or anything like that. If they started prep, I'll stop it. I've had some people that leave me and they'll go to somebody else because of it. If somebody else wants to take them through, then that's on them. But I, I can't. Yeah, I'm the same. It doesn't, it's not going to end up well if you're taking someone through a prep who isn't ready for it or is doing it for the wrong reasons. It's just not going to work. I've had to tell a lot of girls to go into an off-season because of that. Because they just, they started training like less than a year ago and they're like, I want to compete. And I'm like, why do you want to compete? And they're like, well, just because it just looks like it's so much fun. Yeah. That's just, I'm just yeah. like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. That's not. I mean, that's, that, you know, that's a, it, it is fun, but you won't, you only see the joy in it if you love doing it. Yeah. yeah. If you don't love the process, it's not fun. You know, if 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 you're a, if you're quite a sadistic person, then it's fantastic because you can be you can be so so hungry and you can think, how long can I endure this for before I have my next meal? You know, and when you're doing your cardio, so you know, we've all been there. You get on the treadmill or stairs or whatever, you feel like you've been going for about half an hour and it's been four minutes. Yeah, and you, know it's, you know it's going to be the worst cardio session that you've ever done because you've got to endure being tired, being physically exhausted, but being bored as well. Flat an hour. 
but you've got to want that end result. You've got to want to progress at the end of that session so much so that you're willing to go through that. Most people aren't. I saw someone post, I think it was Shelby Starnes, I think he posted something saying that if you focus on enjoying the actual process, that you'll be far better off than if you're just looking for that end date. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if, you, if you're doing it for the potential reward, you're not yeah. going to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, if you do it because you love it, the day in, the day out, if, you know, if you can enjoy that monotony, then it's... It is, it is fun. It is enjoyable yeah. being able to push yourself and seeing what you can put yourself through and endure it. Yeah. But it's like when it comes to people that cheat on the diet. This is, again, part of the psychology of it. You will always create the life that you picture in your mind. Always. And if you get someone that doesn't have it set in their mind that they can win, and they're not working towards the, the competition to win, it won't. And you get people that they will, because they can't see themselves winning, they will create that. They will ensure that they don't win because they do shit that champions don't do. You'll start to shave a couple of minutes off your cardio. So you need to do 45 minutes. You get to 40 minutes and you stop. Or when you're really tired in the morning, you'll think, oh, my body's telling me that I need the extra rest. And they don't get up to do the cardio and they miss the entire session. They'll shave a couple of sets off the harder exercise. You know, if you've got to do squats or you've got to do RDLs or you've got to do the exercises that are, you know, the real, the, the real, the, the hardest exercises to do at any point in time, never mind just doing prep, they will shave sets off that. Instead of doing four sets, they'll do two. And they'll make an excuse for why they've done it. Maybe the knee didn't feel right or the lower back was hurting. And then they'll start to secret eat. They'll have little bits of this and that and the other out of the cupboards tiny little bits of lots of different things so that other people that we live with don't realise. Yeah. And all those little things compound over the course of a prep do you looking shit on stage. And it's like I, I've said to Sammy before, like, I can't even, I can't imagine someone, like, eating something that, eating over their set calories or, like, eating, if they've got a diet plan, eating something off their plan on a prep because... I can't think of anything worse than standing on stage and thinking I could have tried harder. Like, I just feel so much, so shit, basically. Yeah, and that's it. But they end up creating that end result. They, they, they were convinced that they weren't going to win, but then they did things that ensured that they wouldn't. They self-sabotaged throughout the entire prep, whereas when they eventually do the show and they don't like the way that they look, they then, after the show, think, if I hadn't done that and if I had done all that extra cardio and I had done those extra sets and, you know, they go back all of the things that they did during prep that they shouldn't have done, if I hadn't done all of that, I could have won. Yeah. And then they hold on to that and it, then that ends up playing a huge role in the way that they are afterwards because they then overeat after the show. And sometimes it can be a punishment to get fat really fast. It's, yeah. Um, that, that's more common than people realise. Yeah, I completely agree. But no, that was all really helpful. Thank you, Andy. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to appreciate this episode and be able to take a lot from it. Um, and we really appreciate you coming on. So where can people find you, Andy, on social media? Um, 
I am on Facebook, but I very rarely use Facebook. Um, felt like Facebook started to become a little bit like Twitter, and it was just too negative. Yeah. Instagram is the main place to find me on my page at Nutrition. Cool. And that's Thanks. it. That's, that's the only social media that I use, really. So I'm sure everyone will be on Instagram anyway. It's the it's the most common social media location these days. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you for listening, guys. See you in the next one.